right now. Let's magnify him. He's great. He's great. He's great. He's God, you're so good. Oh. That name of Jesus. There's no other name like that name of Jesus. Praise God. If our ushers and hostesses would come and get ready to receive today's tithes and offering. As they're going to receive that in just a moment, I want you to step out of your seat and just greet someone and welcome them to the house of the Lord today. In Jesus' name, it is good to be in the presence of God, to feel God's Spirit in this place, but also to be among each and every one, brothers and sisters of like precious faith. Introduce yourself. Give, give each other your name. Tell them it's good to see them in the house of the Lord. A couple of things. We do have a business meeting tomorrow evening at 6.30. And other than that, our normal service Tuesday night, men's and women's breakaway. Men are going to be outside cooking out. And the ladies are going to be in here. All right. God bless you. It's awesome to have Sister Park. She's going to come lead us in worship in just a moment.
give him praise right now. He's a good guy. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It is good to be in church in the house of the Lord. And I'm excited this morning to bring to this pulpit the man. He is our evangelism pastor here at Life United Pentecostal Church. He also, if you see him through the week, you may see him. See him counseling people, but he is a licensed professional counselor. Uh, he is also by Saturdays. You may see him working on the bushes in the uh, flower beds out here, making those crepe myrtles look better. He has a former green thumb, and uh, it, but he is Dr. Christopher Parks, aka the Ludowissi Lightning. Let's give him a hand as he comes to preach the word to him. Praise God. Praise God. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise we serve a mighty God. Amen. And he's good to us. Amen. No matter how we are, Amen. he's still good. Amen. Amen. So thankful for the opportunity to stand before you, bring the message that the Lord has given me to share with each and every one of you. I feel like the Lord has given a message of encouragement, a message of preparation, a message from the Lord to let us know that when we depend on Him, then we're able to do what He's called us to do. Have you ever shown up to church and just thought, why am I here? What is my purpose? What, not only what is my purpose in the kingdom of God, but why do I show up here every week worshiping, praising God, lifting him up, magnifying him? And I think through this message we get the opportunity to have that answer. We're going to go before the Lord in prayer, asking the Lord to bless this message today, give us what we need. From God. Pastor, if you would, pray over this message. Thanks, sir. Father, we call on your name. Oh, in the mighty name of Jesus, anoint us, God. We need your presence. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. God, open our hearts and our minds to receive your word. Let your anointing just fall upon this minister as he brings forth this word. Touch each and every person, each and every life. We pray it in the name of Jesus in Jesus name we're going to stand for the reading of the word and then you may be seated we're going to Isaiah 61 Isaiah 61 and 1 through 3 verse 10 and then we're going to look at Luke chapter 4 so Mark uh, Isaiah 61 and then turn over to Luke 4 it reads very similar Isaiah 61 and 1 the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and opening of the prison to them that are bound. Aren't you thankful that? The Lord's anointed has done these things for us. Scripture goes on to say to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. 
and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. With a, an acceptable year of the Lord also comes vengeance. Vengeance for that enemy of our soul. That vengeance for that one that is against the things of God. So with a, an acceptable year of the Lord, there's also a day of vengeance. And the scripture goes on to say, To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Isaiah's prophecy comes at a time in history when Jerusalem feels abandoned. Not only uh, by people, but they also feel abandoned by God. We must identify when we are no longer in the presence of God. And this feeling is a feeling of abandonment. Isaiah 61 and 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me in the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments. And as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. And I'll jump to Luke chapter 4, verses 16 and 21. We find that Isaiah here is speaking a messianic prophecy. In this prophecy, we find Jesus. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach God the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This sound familiar? Amen. And now Jesus, he closed the book. And when he closed it, he gave it to the minister and he sat down. And the eyes of all of them in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. I want to preach for a few minutes, robed in righteousness. Right. Robed in righteousness. Rescued, restored, and released. You may be seated. We see that this scripture in Isaiah 61, it gives us three basic sections. The first few chapters give the people of God an opportunity for rescue, for restoration, for building up hope. But God doesn't bring us into 
a place of worship or into the temple of God or into his presence just to rescue us and to leave us there. I want you to know that he robes us in righteousness and he does it to restore us. We're restored as the priest of God. Not only are we his people, but we are priestly and we are restored and covered in the blood of Jesus as priests and covered in garments of salvation. Through being covered in his garment, he restores us. And afterwards, he releases us into the kingdom to share that same gospel, that same garment of salvation with other people. So what's the reason that we've shown up here today at church? What is the purpose that we are in Christ? We see that the children of Israel were in total rebellion. And this messianic prophecy goes out to the Israelites. Isaiah 61, it's a climax of the prophet Isaiah's messianic prophecy. There is a Messiah coming who will fulfill the words that are spoken by the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 61. Do you know who that messianic prophecy speaks of? It speaks of Jesus. Jesus is coming to fulfill this prophecy. Isaiah's prophecy is about 700 years before Jesus. Isaiah is proclaiming a message of restoration and hope. The people of Israel have broken God's covenant. The Israelite people, they've been captured. Well, this is a prophecy of them being captured away into Babylonian exile. And Jerusalem will be destroyed. But the hope of the people is not over. God's plan to save the world and to draw people to him is written in Isaiah 61 in these words. This verse, these verses in verse 1 through 3, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. If you walk into the building today, you're anxious, you're depressed, you're downtrodden. I want you to know that he'll bind up the brokenhearted. The scripture goes on to say he'll proclaim liberty to the captives. We don't have to be bound by a life of sin that leads to death because he's proclaimed liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound. And these scriptures become an introduction to the entire chapter. Through the rescuing of his people, God will restore. And, and I'm speaking, it's really interesting to me how scripture's content and context uh, is historical. We're reading about the children of Israel and we see that there's a prophetic word going forth. The children of Israel are not yet in captivity, but they're in rebellion. 
we see in the northern kingdom, they're in rebellion. And this southern kingdom is about to go into captivity. About 700 years before Jesus ever even shows up. And he's prophesying about what the Messiah will bring. And in that, this introduction shows us how we can be rescued. For those that are hearing this message, their nation has been demolished. Their temple is being destroyed. The poor receive good news. The poor who are normally only receiving bad news. You know, when we talk about the poor, we uh, uh, instinctively and definitely think of the, those that have physical poorness, whether that's financial or not. Our minds automatically go to those that are poor or down on their finances. But we want to look at this scripture and think of those that are also spiritually poor. Those that normally receive bad news. The scripture says here through this Messiah we have the gift of good news. Those that are bound and broken hearted. Some that are grieved over what they've done against God. He will forgive and take us in when he knows what we've done, when he knows what we've said, and he even knows what we've thought. But he's still willing to bind up our broken hearts. He's still willing to take us out of our grief. The scripture goes on to say that he will proclaim freedom to the captives and the opening of prisons to those that are bound. Those that have been long held in prisons receive the promise of freedom. For those that are in mourning with ashes thrown on their head, the scripture says the ashes will be blown away and replaced with a golden glittery crown. For those that are dressed in drab clothing, clothing of mourning, they will get them replaced with the colorful garments that are fit for a great party. Those who have too long felt useless, worthless, and hopeless, they are promised to soon stand tall like a tall, sturdy oak tree. Yes, yes, yes. Good news to the poor. We're understanding that through this message of the gospel that God is good. It's only through that message and through salvation that we realize that God is good. It's hard for me not to jump ahead, but this scripture is about being robed in righteousness. This is about putting on a garment of salvation. If you're in the building today and you haven't repented of your sins, you haven't been baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, I think about the baptism in Jesus' name. And as I was out here yesterday working in the yard, 
and Pastor brought that out. I, I was reminded that the baptism, I won't call them names, this gentleman over here, uh, reminded me that the baptism would be prepared and ready when we came in this morning. So if you need to go down in Jesus' name, the baptism is prepared. Why? Because you need all of this good news. You haven't repented of your sins. You haven't been baptized in Jesus' name. You can go down in his name. And it's, it's not that you're just going down in his name. You're being robed in righteousness. You're being covered in his blood. It means a lot to be covered. It's one thing to receive this salvation message. Even to go through it and fulfill it by repenting of our sins. Being baptized in Jesus' name. Being filled with the Holy Ghost. But the scripture tells us that we're robed in righteousness. We're covered in his blood. And that means a lot when you come up out of that water. You walk out of this building and you go back into the world that you came from. And you realize that the enemy's attack is now much greater. We need something that's going to cover us under the attack of the enemy. And that means we must be robed in righteousness. This is good news. This is really good news. That we're able to see through the word of God that God, there's more good in God than there is bad in our situation. No matter how far that man has advanced, he cannot advance beyond the word of God standing. The, the scripture says the, the flower the flower withereth. The grass fades. Thank you, Pastor. But the word of our God shall stand forever. When we die and we leave here, the word of God will still stand. There's nothing that can be taken away from the word of God. No matter how smart we get. We're beginning to smart ourselves right up out of the word. <laughs> I got it written right here, Pastor. The grass withered, the flower faded, but the word of our Lord stands forever. It's a living word. The word is living. And it gets inside of us. And it gives us what we need. The poor are not just those who are physically and financially poor, but there is spiritual poverty. Spiritual poverty. In Matthew 5 and 3, the Lord says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's a mourning and a sadness that we all have. We, if, if there isn't a mourning, a sadness, or a brokenness that we have, then we should have a mourning, a sadness, or a brokenness. At some point in life, when we realize that sin separates us from God, there's a mourning because in our own ability, we cannot get out of our struggle. We continue to suffer on our own. We must not be too proud to ask 
and to get help when we need it. If you walked in the building today and you know you need help, the word of God says to ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. We have to ask for help. And if you don't know how to directly go to God, you know, you've got a brother or a sister there next to you that's got a connection with God. And just ask one of them, hey, what do I need to do? Just similar to they asked on the day of Pentecost. What must I do to be saved? What must I do to draw nearer to God? What must I do for this good news that has been given to me in my spiritual poverty? Not only did he bring the good news to the poor, but the scripture says he came to mend the broken heart. We're all broken hearted. If we're so proud and unwilling to repent, we'll lose the Lord's presence. And, and that's what being robed in righteousness is all about. It's a concept, a change of mind frame, that we're able to see that we're nothing without Jesus Christ. We're nothing without Jesus. And our, our hearts are broken over our sinful nature. Just being a human being. It's, it's heartbreaking because when we try to do it on our own, we always fail. But with Jesus, we never fail. And his presence can't go away from us. And I, I asked Sister Parks to bring out this robe. I'm jumping around a little bit. That's, that's the way my brain works. But you know, a robe. And I, I, I brother, you might have to help me, Sister Parks. I'm going to the microphone and put the robe. I think it was a. It was a brother Duval yesterday during prayer. He was talking about uh, blessings. You know, to have on the robe of righteousness is a blessing. And he was talking about the blessing of breakfast. But in talking about breakfast, the first thing he said that he would do is put on his robe. He said, I put my robe on and I walked into the kitchen and I fixed me some eggs and some bacon and some grits. But before that, he put his robe on. And it's a blessing to be able to put a robe on. I don't know if I got a robe in the house. It's a blessing to put on a robe. There he is now. I was just talking about you. <laughs> he said he put his robe on and then he go down and he have his breakfast. But the thing about a robe, and you've probably done this, some of you, uh, and possibly mostly ladies, you know, somebody knock on the door in the evening time. He said, hold on. I got to put my robe on. Before, you, before I come to that door, I need to put on my robe. I want to be covered. And you want to have your robe close to you. You don't want to be reaching for your robe when the enemy comes. See, this robe of righteousness, it covers us. This robe, and, and in the scripture, when it talks about putting on garments everywhere that it talks about putting on a garment, I, I see a, a protection. 
from the enemy. Each, everywhere where I see there's a robe being put on our garment, a garment of salvation, a garment of praise. Anytime that you put on those garments, a robe of righteousness is covering you and preparing you for battle. You're either putting on the robe and it's preparing you for your priestly work for the Lord, or you're putting on a robe and you're beginning to praise. They put these robes on and prepare in preparation for praise. Praise was the way of being led into the battle. And you put this robe on in this scripture for as a priestly garment that you've been restored as a priest for God's purpose. But you don't want to have this robe too far away before you put it on. I'm jumping around. I was I needed to be going in order so that we know that Jesus came and when he did, he came to give good news to the poor. He came to mend the brokenhearted. He came to set the captives free and to open blind eyes. It's, it's really interesting to me that open blind eyes is not in Isaiah 61, but Jesus says it in Luke 4. The concept of dwelling in darkness is seen in Isaiah 42 and 7. To open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, and those who dwell in darkness from prisons. This word, uh, open blind eyes, it, it is relative and relevant when we are speaking of the darkness of a prison or a dungeon. Jerusalem, as I said, in their northern tribe, they're being destroyed. In the southern tribes, they're, become, they're about to become captives in Babylon. I think I jumped around again. When I, when I talk about the context of Scripture, and, and historically, we're talking about the children of Israel in Isaiah 61. We're also talking about a prophecy that's being spoken of a Messiah. Jesus said when he finished reading this book, today is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. So we have the children of Israel. We have Jesus as the Messiah, that fulfillment of this prophecy. But we don't stop there with scripture. It must be applied to our lives. It must be applied to our lives. So not only does this relate to Jerusalem, but death is a prison that cannot hold those who have eternal life. In uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 and 16 it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We're all led captive, and these are the ways, by our own hearts, by our enemy the devil, and by the world. I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking to me. The ways that we're led captive 
as human beings, the captivity that we may be in is a life of sin. And the way that we led there, by our own hearts, by the enemy, and by the world. We're all suffering. But God will bless us with victory. In Christ, we're no longer slaves to sin, but we're made alive in Him. Just as this scripture has said, and it's a, a promise for us, that death can't hold us. Sin does not have to hold us. We can be robed in righteousness when the enemy shows up. And we can depend on that we, if we're in Christ, that we'll be set free from sin and death. The scripture goes on to say that there'll be a year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor is known as the Jubilee. I got to take this hot roll off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Damn, on top of this jacket. The year of Jubilee, one year after seven Sabbaths. So seven Sabbaths is seven sevens. So seven sevens, that's 49. Every seven years was a Sabbath. After seven Sabbaths, in the year 49, the, the 50th year is the year of Jubilee. Y'all should run and shout now. Am I in, a, in an apostolic church? <laughs> 50, right, Pentecost. This was a year of rest for the land, forgiveness of debts, freeing of the slaves, restoring relationships, and return property. Now I want to ask this question. What if today the bank called you uh, First Bank, USAA, the credit union, wherever you bank, and they said, we want to cancel all your debts. <laughs> Y'all out the church on that one. Ain't nobody shouting up at this point. They really run. Yeah. We want to cancel all your debts. Your mortgage, your car payment. For the next month, we're going to pay your electric bill. All debts canceled. That's what the year of Jubilee was like. All your debts are canceled. Now we can see that in the spiritual. All debt being canceled. Jesus said, today is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Not every 50 years, not every 7 years, but today. Today is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Jesus is able to cancel all your debt. Even your financial debt. I've experienced it. Sometimes one of the things about being robed in righteousness, you know, you think of the garment of salvation, all that we receive in salvation. We repent of our sins, we baptize, I have to preach that. Baptize in Jesus' name, we fill with the Holy Ghost, and then it stops there, we're saved. 
living a whole life. Y'all thought I was going to preach that when I said robed in righteousness. Didn't you? Yeah, being robed in righteousness. But we've got to, we've got to face the world. We've got to go back, as many of us, when we go down in Jesus' name and we fill with the Holy Ghost, we're going right back home to what we left. Amen? And we want to be prepared for that. Now, if this jubilee only came every 50 years, that'd be the only time your debts were canceled. The only time that your relationship would be restored. The only time that you'd be freed from the slavery of sin. The only time that what the devil stole, you could get back every 50 years. But Jesus is saying to somebody in the building today, today is the acceptable year of the Lord. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of your jubilee. You don't have to wait seven years. You don't have to wait 50 years. You know, man, I, that's, that's the way I was when I was young. When I was young, I was thinking, man, I got to live life. I got to have some fun. Maybe when I get 50. Maybe when I get 40. Maybe 30. But not when I'm 20-something. Come on, I got too much life to live. The Christian folks don't look like they have no fun. Man, I came into a Pentecostal church. So, man, it, it, it ain't this much going on in the club. What? We shouting. We dancing. We running. We, and, and then, I don't have to worry about any report when I leave here. No, you know, no medical report. No police report. I can, I can depend on a good report that by being a part of the Apostolic Pentecostal Church. I'm, I'm thankful for that. that. That year of Jubilee is now. Today our debts are forgiven. Today you're free from the captivity of sin and death. Today what Satan stole has been returned. Right now. Right now in this house. See, Jesus was in the temple. He was in the synagogue when he said, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Some of you may respond just similar to the way that they did in that synagogue. You couldn't imagine what Jesus had gone through. This was the, the beginning of his ministry. And he had just been tempted. For 40 days. He fasted for 40 days and been tempted. Could you imagine if you hadn't eaten for 40 days? And somebody bring you some bread. I'm talking about you and me. Somebody bring you some bread and say, okay, eat this. <laughs> right? But Jesus, he, he, he. He's an example. I, I think sometimes in the Apostolic Pentecostal Church, sometimes we need to see that balance also. That Jesus is fully human and he's fully divine. He's fully God. He's fully man. And there's an example of him being fully man for us. That is, when we're tempted, we should use the word of God just the way that Jesus used it. And he didn't stop there. When he started his ministry, he opened up that word. And he let them know 
who he was according to that word and what he has to bring to us today in this house, in this temple of God. And our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And as a, you know, a pastor introduced me as evangelism, that's that's, that's the concept in my head. It's tough for me to stand here. Because the ministry for me is out there. It's out there. You know? For people that are walking by, I, I, the other day I just drove right around here. I was like, I'm going to drive down here see how many houses they got put in there. And see who out there and talk to them. And I had the opportunity to talk to someone, so they're going to come in here one day and, and pray with us. They let me know. Uh, they may be in church today. Who knows? Amen. But they let me know uh, uh, what their religion is and everything. But they said, I don't mind coming and praying with the people of God. I said, come on. Come pray with us. With Jesus, every day is a jubilee. He's not preparing us to stay inside this building. He's comforting us. He's, he's setting us free. He's binding our broken heart. He's restoring us, but he's not leaving us there. A part of that is that he's comforting the mourner. Grieving because of being in oppression. Around 720 B.C., Isaiah is prophesying of a coming captivity to Jerusalem. A despair that they'll be taken into captivity in 586 B.C. God says he is going to comfort the mourners by giving them a beautiful crown in the place of ashes of mourning. All of joy or an anointing for their mourning. And garment of praise. How many know you got something to praise God about? You got something to praise him about. The scripture says he's given you a garment of praise. You should praise him because he brought you out of despair. You know, I'm a counselor. Pastor said it. Pastor, all this stuff you said, that must have been of the Lord. So it's reminded me. He says I'm a licensed counselor. I get to work with people every day that many are in despair. And one of the things that I do is uh, we, we call it self-determination and autonomy. Meaning that if I'm going to help you, you got to tell me how I'm going to help you. You remember in the scripture? Yeah. Asking you shall receive. Yeah. In counseling it works that way. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in the medical field. If you don't tell somebody what's wrong with you, you're not going to be able to get the help you need. If, you, if, you, if they're examining your hand and the problem's in your foot and you don't tell them, then you're not going to get the help you need. And so I ask people about objectives. You know, what, what can you tell me is going to be uh, helpful for you? And that's where I start with self-determination. Many times when I ask them that, they say, that's what I'm here to see you for. But <laughs> you asking me what I need, I want you to tell me. You're the professional, you tell me. But without them telling me, I'm not able to help them. They, they have to let me know. And you know, so we go through this whole little conversation. They tell me all the things that's going on. And then they say, uh, they give me a goal. You know what that goal is? I want you to fix me. 
I want you to fix it. And you know what I tell them? I can't fix it. I can't fix it. No matter what we go through, it may not be fixed. That may not be the end point that I fix it. But I'm thankful that we have a Messiah. You know, we have hope uh, that we can be taken out of despair. We no longer have to be depressed. We no longer have to be anxious. We can, we can cope through our bipolar depression. We can cope through it. Why? Because we do have a fixer in Jesus Christ. We've got one that, whether you're grieving or you're in oppression, he wants to give you garment of praise for your despair. He wants to give you a beautiful crown in the place of your ashes. In 2 Samuel 13 and 19, ashes will be cast upon the head during mourning. A beautiful crown or head ornament, the scripture is saying is going to replace those ashes of mourning. Not only are the ashes going to be uh, brushed away, uh, and anointing oil is going to be applied. Could you imagine a person in mourning in those days? You know, we fast now. You can't even tell we fast. We're so bright and shiny and good looking. But in those days, they were in sackcloths and ashes. They even had on raggedy clothes to, to mourn. They would put ashes, throw them up, and fall underneath them over the head. But the scripture is saying, here, we're going to clean you up. Put you on a nice crown. And in mourning, these ashes will be replaced with a beautiful crown. Right. If you're in here today and you came and you're in mourning, the Lord wants you to know he wants to replace that. Praise in 2 Chronicles 20 and 22 through 23. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy one another. This is why we have on the garment of praise. When we're praising God, God is going against the enemy for our victory. In this scripture, we find the enemy went against itself. This is what will happen when we're robed in righteousness. He'll give us this garment of praise. He doesn't leave us there. This is progressive. I, I love how he restores us. He anoints us and gets us looking good and then stands us up. Don't leave you all bent over, looking sad. The scripture says, oaths of righteousness. In Isaiah 1 and 28 through 31, and the destruction of the transgressors and of the sinners shall be together. And they that forsake the Lord shall be consumed. For they shall be ashamed of the oaths which ye have desired. 
And ye shall be confounded for the gardens that ye have chosen. For ye shall be as an oak whose leaf fadeth, and as a garden who hath no water. This is sad sounding, isn't it? And the strong shall be as toad, and the maker of it as a spark. And they shall both burn together, and none shall quench them. When we rebel against God, we are like an oak with withered leaves, and a garden without water. That's sad, isn't it? But I didn't come to preach sadness to you. I want to encourage you. That's what happens when we rebel against God. But Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate all day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor the sinner in the congregation of the righteousness. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. But comfort by the Spirit of God. And he plants us in righteousness. The tree that is planted by the Lord, it will stand. The scripture says the, the Lord plants this tree. In total opposition of God, the sinner is able. This, this is what I love. The people that we're talking about, we're in opposition of God, just like we were or are at some point. But we have this hope that we can be taken out of captivity. Our hearts will be bound up. Our heads will be anointed. We'll put on a crown, and he'll stand us up like a great oak. And when he stands us up, he's standing up an old sinner. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? That you can go from being broken hearted and down and sinning and in a dark place. That you can begin to be an oak that's immovable, strong, and unstoppable. Oaks that stand as an example of righteousness. Our roots are so deep that we won't be moved, but we'll stand. The tree, when a storm comes, it'll blow. And it'll move around, but when the storm passes, that tree is going to still be standing. In the midst of your storm, you can still stand. Why would God send a Savior to provide all this hope? Why would he send a Savior to provide us with this hope? Why are we even here in this church? What do we do with what we have? And what is our purpose? What's the reason that God is doing all of this? And the scripture goes on to say, for the display of God's glory. For the display of God's glory. That's the purpose that we're standing like an oak. The scripture in Isaiah 61 and 4 through 9 shows restoration. God doesn't stop there by standing us up and taking us out of captivity. 
But he says we become the priests of the Lord. Men shall call you ministers of God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. In other words, he's going to take you who once were bound, once held in captivity, once captivated by sin. He's going to clean you up and put a crown on you and stand you up. And not only that, he's going to make you a priest of God. He's not going to stop there, but he's going to take strangers and foreigners and they're going to give you the resources that you need. Why? For the glory of God. You'll possess double of what you once had. Amen. You're the priest of the Lord and we'll rejoice in our portion. Christ has saved you. He's transformed you and he's given you purpose. And that purpose is to build. That purpose is to build. He wants you to build up the kingdom. But after he prepares you to build, he releases you. Isaiah 61 and 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. You can do that today if you have them. You can be clothed in those garments of salvation. It's necessary. No matter where you come from, what your background is, it's necessary. We want to be closer to God. As priests, we're prepared for God's service. Under the law of Moses, the priests would be released from laboring in the fields because they were given a distinct work as Levites. The rest of the tribes of Israel worked in the land while the tribe of Levi would operate as the priest of God. He wants to release you. He wants to release you. But he's got a, a, a very uh, nice way of doing it. I want to tell you this story that is relative to being robed in righteousness. There's a father and a son, and the father and the son are casually walking along. And as they're walking the son, he fell. He was holding the hand of his father when he fell. Even while holding his father's hand, he still fell and scraped his knee. He got up. He didn't like the feeling of falling down. So when he got up, he told his father, he said, Daddy, I'll tell you what I'll do. I am not going to hold your hand. I'll just hold tightly to your finger. They continued to walk, and the little boy slipped and fell again. He got up, and he thought, Father, I've held your hand, and I've clutched your finger, and I keep falling. And he looked up at his father, and he said, Daddy, here's what I'm going to do. Instead of me holding on to you, I'm going to let you hold on to me. Instead of me holding on to you, I'm going to let you hold on to me. How many know that the Father can hold us up? The scripture in Isaiah 41 and 13 says, For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear. I will help you. God's mighty hand has shaped the universe. He cups his hands and it holds the ocean. He opens his hands and it, his hand measures the heavens expanse. They, his hands carry the dust of the earth like a basket. And they weigh the mountains on a scale. It's in times that we fall 
that we try to hold on to God or we try to hold on to something else. But no matter how much we try to hold on, we'll still slip and fall. I think them opening the doors and telling me it's time. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm closing right here. That we have to put on the robe of righteousness. Jude said this, Now to him who's able to keep me from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory and exceeding joy. No matter how we may find ourselves, God will keep us. During times of sickness, he'll keep us. During times of despair, he'll keep us. During times of being alone and isolated, feeling rejected, he'll keep us. By standing and putting on the things of God. You can come, Sister Parker. Our purpose is greater than simply seeking satisfaction in our own personal needs. You can stand with me. She's going to come. She's going to sing. Wherever we may find ourselves, we can depend that when we're clothed in righteousness, we're prepared for the battle. We're prepared for work in God's kingdom. We are priests that are clothed in righteousness. We're saints that can shout for joy. We can begin to praise God. First Peter 3 and 18 says, So for Christ also hath once suffered sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. When we put on that robe of righteousness, you can begin to sing, Sister Paul. I don't know why they won't ever sing while we're talking. If you're here today and you haven't put on that garment of salvation, today is your day. Today is that acceptable year of the Lord. Today is the day of salvation. You don't have to wait seven years. You don't have to wait 50 years. But you can be drawn closer to God today. He's ready to heal your broken heart. If you came in today and you're in sickness, you came in and you feel rejected and alone and abandoned, I ask you to come. Let us pray with you today. Let us connect with God together. We serve a Messiah in Jesus Christ that's able to mend your broken heart. He's able to lead captives out of captivity and into freedom away from sin. If you came in today and you're living a life of sin, you can walk in one way and your life can be changed and you can walk out in the newness of life. You can walk out in the newness of life. Robe in righteousness. Clothed in that garment of salvation. Take my heart. Take my life. As a living sacrifice. Too proud to get the help you need. You need help. Lord, I place them in your hands. 
can you 